Have you ever written code to add a new feature that ended up breaking an existing feature? Or have you ever written code that works in one scenario but breaks in a bunch of others? I think we can all admit to this as developers, myself included. Well, this is where testing shines. We write code to test our other codes so that we can immediately get warned if our code breaks something else or if it doesn't work in every scenario. In this episode, we'll talk about a bunch of different types of testing and why they're helpful. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Ladybug Podcast. I'm Kelly. I'm Allie. And I'm Emma. And we're debugging the tech industry. Hey, Kelly, have you heard about this cool tool called AWS Amplify? Tell me about it. It's a suite of tools and services that enables developers to build full-stack serverless and cloud-based web and mobile apps. You get to use whichever framework or technology you want on the front end. That sounds cool. Will it help me get up and running with things like hosting? Yeah. Authentication? You betcha. Manage GraphQL? Totally. How about serverless functions, APIs, machine learning, chatbots, file storage? Yes to everything! Amplify is built especially in a way to enable traditionally front-end developers, like yourself, Kelly, to be successful because you can use your existing skill set to build real-world, full-stack apps that in the past would require deep knowledge around back-end, DevOps, and scalable infrastructure. The Amplify console also allows you to use a GitHub repository to deploy to a globally available CDN with CI and CD built in. Super cool. Where can I learn more? If you want to learn more about AWS Amplify, visit aws-amplify.github.io. Awesome. So the first thing that I want to talk about is our experiences with testing. Emma, do you tend to write tests for your code? I don't know if I want to answer this question. Can I plead the fifth? Um, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I work primarily on design systems and the documentation of those components, so I don't write tests on a regular basis. However, um, my history with testing has been in uh, my senior year of college, I did an internship with IBM where I automated the installation of WebSphere on ZOS using Python. So like I actually did do a test automation internship. I also used a little bit of Selenium, but let's be real, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Um, and then when I joined LogMeIn for my first year or so, we were testing with Jest and Enzyme. So I have written unit tests, um, but... To be honest, I would need to really relearn testing if I was going to do it in production, which will happen this July. So I better start learning again. What about you, Kelly? <laughs> so I hire people to write the tests. <laughs> I don't really do it much myself. Um, I Okay, so I'm less involved in the day-to-day -day of development at this point. I just don't have time for it anymore. But I will also say that testing in Shopify is particularly difficult. Um, so it's something we're now starting to do. Um, we're figuring it out as we go, but we're using Cypress for, for all of our testing. Um, I'm hoping that by the time we, I don't know, by the time the end of the year comes, let's say that, that we're, we'll have like a really good handle on it. Um, but we're also doing a lot more backend development now as well, like writing Shopify apps. So those definitely need tests too. So we're going to be doing a lot more testing than we currently are doing. Awesome. For me, I actually learned testing. I worked for an, an early stage startup that had no tests whatsoever. And towards the end of my time there, I had been writing so many or working on so many different applications with similar stack. And so I like to challenge myself by making myself learn something new for everything that I worked on. And so I, for a while, challenged myself to do all of Sandy Metz's um, 
rules for programming, which was really difficult. If uh, We can link those in the show notes if anybody's curious about those, but it's like every function can only be five lines of code and you can only pass a couple arguments and they're, they're pretty strict. And then my next one after that was to write tests for all of my code. So do complete test coverage and test driven development. So I taught myself for that. And then when I started teaching, we didn't have testing in our curriculum too much. And it's something that I've pushed really hard for because I think that um, first as a teaching tool, it helps people to really think about their code in detail and break it down into smaller pieces because you have to test each piece of your code independently. And then the other piece of it is that most companies at this point, you are going to have to write tests. And so um, having them have that background is important. And then when I worked at Dev, we had very high test coverage for our code. It was something that they were super passionate about. So I used it there as well. Um, just an enzyme, at least for front-end testing, is my normal stack. But I'm really interested in learning some other things as well, which we can talk about down the road. So in other words, you are our resident expert Except for, on testing. Yeah, not, not really at all. I just have written curriculum on it, which helps me to be able to talk about it a little bit better even though I'm in no way, shape, or form an expert on on this at all. (laughs) I think we had this conversation at some point, and I'm not sure if it was off-air or on-air, but we were talking about the rise of front-end testing and how when we all started writing front-end code, we hadn't really heard too much of front-end testing, but it's progressively become more and more of a thing, and testing JavaScript code has become a, a huge subset of the industry, I would say. So have you all seen that kind of progression over time as well? Yeah, I've definitely noticed more discussion and more education coming out about front-end testing. But I don't feel like in the recent past, within like the last five years, like when I started, I didn't feel like there was a huge emphasis on front-end testing. But now it's definitely more of a priority. Agreed. Agreed. Like back-end testing, I think, has been a huge part of everything. For Oh, absolutely. I had to write tests in Java. Uh, I don't remember anything about it. I think I've kind of repressed those memories because it was traumatic for me. <laughs> I do not miss writing Java code at all. <laughs> me neither. Me neither. Awesome. Well, I just wanted to have that quick conversation about whether front-end testing has risen over time. Um, So we're mostly going to talk about unit testing in this episode, which is when you write tests for a small chunk of your code at a time. But there's also other types of testing as well. There's integration testing, which is making sure that all of your code um, works together well. There's Performance testing and load testing. The performance testing checks to see if your web page loads in a quick manner. Load testing makes sure that your website can handle a lot of people on it. Um, There's usability testing, recovery testing. So if something crashes, if your system will recover from that. And then there's also non-automated testing. So just testing when you refresh a page and look at it or the testing that um, QA people do as well. We would call those smoke tests. I don't know why they were called smoke tests oh, exactly, but like we would always post in our section. I'll be like, hey, can we can people smoke test this just to make sure everything works on like the release candidate server before it was pu- published to our customers? 
My favorite version of load testing is posting a link to a, a, a like a website on a Reddit comments or a Reddit posts and seeing if it survives. Oh my gosh. Um, there are a couple other types too. Regression testing is one. So making sure that what you're publishing doesn't break something that currently or exists or existed previously. Um, but there's also unit or not unit testing, <laughs> snapshot testing, which is really cool. So snapshot testing literally takes a snapshot of your UI and tests whether any visual changes have been made. So this is really good because you wouldn't want to write a unit test to say, hey, is my button blue? Like there are some, there's a limitation on some of the things that you should be testing. So you you shouldn't necessarily have 100% code coverage for unit tests because some things are just too menial to be writing these tests for. It's not worth the time. But snapshot testing is a really great way to test your UI. Yeah, it's such a cool tool. It'll give you this warning. Oh, you changed this class name. Did you really want to do that? And if so, then you retake the snapshot. And the snapshot's really just a JSON file that's storing your component or JavaScript code or whatever in um, text format and checking to see if that text format stays the same across versions. But it's a really, really awesome tool that Jess has built into it. And it's so easy to implement too. It's just the same line of code a couple of different times, which is awesome. Yeah, it's super nice. What's in it? So just thinking about like an example of something you would want to write a unit test for and when you wouldn't. The first thing that comes to mind for me is like a modal, for example. Like let's say you have a uh, like a sign up modal. Uh, and you call the action button. And when the user clicks the button, the modal appears. And then when you click the close button, it disappears. So testing that functionality that that works is really, really important. But it's not something you would want a quality assurance engineer to necessarily go through this flow every single time to make sure nothing is broken. So that's where we can kind of automate those menial things. Um, but something you maybe wouldn't want to automate. I don't know. Do you have an example? I have an example. I work in e-commerce. You want to make sure that you can add an item to the cart and it actually takes you to the cart so you can actually check out. I only say this because we didn't have tests for something like this and we ended up completely ruining the sale for a company for like four hours until we realized our mistake and figured out what happened. Oh, no. That's, that's something, something you, that you should, should have, have a test, test for, for right? Yes. Okay, cool. Because <laughs> I think Emma had just proceeded that with like, what should we not? I thought you asked if you, I thought you asked if you, I thought you asked for an example that you would have a test for. <laughs> no, she said what we wouldn't. No. So I wanted to clarify. That's why I when you like, were talking, um, I was like. That sounds like something that you would want to test oh. for. <laughs> well, in that case, no, don't test your add to cart functionality. That's a terrible idea. Um, <laughs> just let everything break. I think that the main focus here is like you want to test the core functionality of your application to make sure it's working. You want to test visibility to make sure things appear when they should appear and disappear when they should disappear. Um, but you wouldn't necessarily care to test that my button has 16 pixels of padding on each side or my modal has this class name. Like those are things that are so like there's an opportunity cost when it comes to testing where like I can't even explain it. It's just something that you'll you'll be learning on the job. And if you have a mentor or other team members, they can help you. But I remember being at LogMeIn and, um, you know, I said, well, why don't we have 100% test coverage on this file? Because it can show you what percentage coverage you have on what files. And, you know, there are just certain things you don't necessarily need to write unit tests for. I'm still laughing at myself. Yeah. You should be. That was ridiculous. <laughs> that was <laughs> that ridiculous. Was <laughs> um. But yeah, if you checked every class name, there'd be a bajillion tests. And if you changed the class name, then you would have to um, change it 
in both your test and your code and it would get really ridiculous. And that's where snapshot testing really shines is that it will just tell you, hey, you changed this thing. Did you really want to change it? And then you press, yeah. I think, why, right? And then it regenerates your snapshot for you or something like that. But like it's you- nice because, okay, let me tell you a little embarrassing story. So I didn't know testing was a thing in college because believe it or not, even though I went through a computer science degree, I was never informed that testing existed. Um, classic. Yeah, classic. Um, and so what that meant was I showed up to IBM in my first week and, uh, you know, that gave me a piece of work, which I normally, a college graduate should be able to handle. And I was not prepared. And in any case, I pushed my changes to, like I had my code review, I pushed changes to master and broke the environment for everyone on the product. And I got a call from a very angry Scottish man who told me that it was absolutely absurd that I didn't write tests. I should have known about this. Uh, and it traumatized me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's just, it's not something that I was ever taught in colleges. Now we're seeing, you know, boot camps and other things. Like, I'm sure you're more prepared on a practical level. Uh, at least I, from from looking at the curriculum, I think I would have done better in a boot camp style program than taking a computer science degree because I don't touch data structures and algorithms on a day-to-day basis. But I wasn't taught testing. And the benefit of adding tests is, you make sure shit works before you push it. Um, but it's nice because you can add like with your continuous integration. So if you use like CircleCI or Travis to integrate, they, I don't know exactly what, you know, all this stuff does, but you can add checks. <laughs> yeah, I'm just talking out my butt right now. Um, you can add these checks to make sure that all of your tests are passing before someone pushes to master so that people don't do what I did and break the entire environment. On the bright side, you now always have the question to ask yourself, what would an angry Scottish man say about my code? And it really puts it in perspective. <laughs> no, the, so I don't want to brag too much about or anything <laughs> like that. Brag. But <laughs> one of the things that I am most proud of is, is that for most of our homework assignments, the students have tests written for them already. So they're trying to write the homework to match those tests. And so they are seeing that real world development environment from like day one, essentially, where as soon as they have a homework, they're doing NPM run tests and they're checking to see if everything's matching. And then they learn how to write the tests themselves in week four of the program. So they see that a lot. I feel like I should go through your classes. <laughs> no. Thanks. You all are super <laughs> advanced, but it is it is cool. It is a I'm, I'm proud of it. And so then they do have to write tests for their projects after that too. So let's talk about why testing is important. And we've given a couple examples of this already. Kelly with the broken shopping cart, Emma with the Scottish man yelling at her. Um, <laughs> but essentially it makes your code more predictable and maintainable. So instead of when you change code in one place, having to manually then test every single other piece of your application to make sure that that all is still working, you have this test suite that is doing those checks for you so that as soon as you break something in a piece of your code, you have this warning, oh, now four of your tests are failing or something along those lines. It also makes it so that it's easier to update your code and versioning. So if you are trying to upgrade from React 15 to 16 or something along those lines and it breaks everything, you have that test suite that is there for you when you're going through that upgrade process. 
You still do need manual testing, though. This is an important piece of the puzzle. Your tests are not perfect. It is still code, and so you still need to have some sort of manual testing as well for your projects. That's usually what we do, just manual testing. So that's why I'm hoping to automate some of the same things that we are doing on a daily basis. I think it's really interesting also, you know, kind of kind of touching back on on the way that you're teaching people uh, how to write these tests and always test your code and everything. Um, coming from a development process, a development workflow that didn't include testing and realizing just how many things were slipping through the cracks. It really, it's, it's really been eye-opening about just how many mistakes that we've made over time that could have been prevented with tests. I swear that we do good work. Like, I feel like I'm just, like, completely shitting on the work that we do. <laughs> You're not but, selling me here. And, you know, I think it's I think it's worth acknowledging your, your weaknesses so you do something about it. I also want to say, too, like, there are many people who get very excited and passionate about testing. I'm not one of those people. I understand the importance. I, you know, I obviously, I will write tests if I'm writing production code. But it honestly does not excite me. Almost the latter. Like, I just... I don't know. It's just not my passion. Um, so it's okay if you're not super passionate about it. It's a, great if you are, um, but it is necessary. So if you are writing production code, it's something that you don't have to love, but you need to you need to incorporate yeah. them. I think that there are so many amazing people, though, in the industry now who are super passionate about it. So Angie Jones, who we had on to talk about actually teaching – is a super expert in testing, especially in Java. And she has a whole platform, Test Automation U, I think. We can link that in the show notes, but it's a really great resource. And then Kent C. Dodds is another great one. Um, he has so many resources on testing, especially in the front end with JavaScript. So he is another great resource. He just puts together a testing JavaScript course too. Um, I'm not sure if yeah. it's published or if it was just, yeah, I think, it, yeah, it's totally published. He has like three different tiers. I bought well, it. Again, link that in the show notes. I'm well. really excited to go through it. Oh, you know, it's, awesome. it's still in my stack of, stack of courses to do. <laughs> <laughs> Data structures. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have one of Same. those too. I'm trying to be I better about it though, but I have all these really cool Coursera ones on non-coding topics like happiness and business and stuff. I don't know. That's what's getting me excited right now. Okay. Um, and so speaking of Kent C. Dodds, he has this really awesome po blog post about knowing what to test, because I think especially when you're starting out, that's one of the most difficult questions. And he said that we write tests to be confident that our application will work when users use them. And some people write tests to enhance their workflow as well, and that's great. But ultimately, I'm interested in confidence. That being the case, when we test, we should map directly to enhancing our confidence. Here's the key point I want you to consider when writing tests. Think less about the code you are testing and more about the use cases that code supports. So I think that that's a great that. summary of what you should be testing. And going back to the question that Emma had earlier of um, what should we be writing tests for, whether a class names change or whatever, I think that this really addresses that. Another thing that I want to talk about is test-driven development versus adding tests to your code after you write your code. So test-driven development is a paradigm where you identify a behavior you want in your code, you write a test, you make sure that that test fails, then you write the minimum amount of code in your application to make that test pass. 
Then you refactor the code and repeat the whole cycle. So for example, say I want to build a counter application. So a counter application (laughs) is one that you add one to things and then you can subtract as well. So you have like a button to to go up and a button to go down. Um, I make a lot of these at work because they're usually the hello world of writing actually code that does something. So you would identify a behavior that When you click on a button, you want the number to increase. Then you would write a test to see if that number in state increases. So maybe checking to make sure that it's zero at the beginning of the application's lifecycle. Then you could simulate that a user clicks on the button. And then you could make it so that the you want to check to see if the number in state then increases. You want to make sure that that test fails at first. So before you write the code that makes that test pass, you want to make sure that it fails because a test that passes when it's not supposed to pass is just as bad as a test that fails when it's not supposed to. So you need to make sure that your test is actually failing when it needs to fail. Then you would write the React code or your application code to make it so that um, when you click on the button, it actually makes the number increase. And then you refactor the code to make it nice and then repeat the whole cycle all over again. So is this the way, is this what you prefer to do? Do you prefer test-driven development? I actually like both. I probably in my personal code do the writing tests after approach, but I think it's important to talk about there being these two different approaches and different companies taking different approaches and different people taking different approaches too. I think Pivotal Labs is an example of a company that does all test-driven development. They write their tests first and then write their code. Most environments that I've worked at, they we've done the writing tests after you write your code. So I don't know. Anybody have different opinions on this or different experiences? I I don't like test driven development. I sh- I understand. This is one of those things. Like I don't know. I feel like there are people listening to this who maybe identify with me. Where like testing is not the the most interesting of topics. Um, that's maybe why I don't enjoy test driven development because I just kind of want to jump in and get started. Yeah, coding a feature or fixing a bug. But um. I I definitely see the advantages to it. I totally feel that as well. I also think test-driven development can be tough to visualize. It can be difficult to get in that mindset. And so I definitely see both sides of this. And so I'm willing to go with whichever, to be honest. I'm fine with either. I can't help but read all the steps involved in test-driven development and just like fall asleep halfway through. (laughs) It just feels like it's so much work. Yeah. It seems like it's placing more of an emphasis on testing than more of an emphasis on development. That being said, to me, it feels more like making sure you meet all the functional requirements of a new feature. And I would personally rather just write down all the functional requirements, build it, and then test the things that need to be tested than, like, to Kelly's point, go through this entire huge process. So, But at the same time, I think it kind of depends maybe on the product you're working on. If you're working on something that is very consumer heavy, um, there are major accessibility implications, things like that. Maybe test-driven development is a better choice than if you're just building a smaller application. Like I think the use case is definitely a deciding factor. I also think that mission-critical applications, maybe something for the medical field or for NASA or something along those lines, 
those fields having really, 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 really solid tests and doing test-driven development might be more important than even something that's front-end focused. That's what that's the point I was going to make. Like, I wonder if test-driven development is more popular with back-end development than front-end or if it's really, you know, you can, you can go either it way. Is. is it? Okay. I, I teach it on the front-end too. I teach them both test-driven development and how to write tests after the fact. So I think it is a thing in the front end, but I think it's much more heavy thing on the back end. Cool. Let's also talk about the tools that we can use for testing. So we did a whole episode on performance, and we talked a lot about lighthouse testing, which you use for performance testing. If you're interested in that, there's a whole episode about it, which we can link in the show notes, but it's an amazing tool. It's one of my favorites. Lighthouse also tests accessibility, although I will say... I think accessibility tooling is only good up into a certain threshold and then it still requires a lot of knowledge and more manual testing. So just be aware that like if you run a lighthouse test, I haven't used Axe, but if you run a lighthouse test, um, they can be decently inconsistent for accessibility and not cover everything. Yeah, I think that's true with anything. Yeah, I mean, lighthouse is, I think it's a great overview, but I think using the specific tools that are built for that particular testing, like accessibility testing, I think it's good. You're going to have a lot more, uh, a lot more consistent results from those. Yeah. In but in testing in general, doing manual tests of all of these things is still important as well. Making sure that it actually does work the way that it's supposed to. So yeah. I wanted to also talk about accessibility testing, which you already hit on. Backend testing frameworks, there are so many of these are going to be very language specific. So RSpec is a huge one for the Ruby and the Rails community. And then there's a Django test client, which is built into um, Django for Python. Python has other frameworks. There's so many different ones for backend. So that's a whole huge ecosystem in and of itself. But we're more front-end focused on this show. And so I think the biggest ones are just Enzyme React Testing Library. And Enzyme and React Testing Library would be alternatives to one another. So just is what's called your test runner. So that's the thing that actually has your test suite up and running. It retests things when you change your code. It has your assertion statements and your blocks and all that. And then you use Enzyme or React Testing Library to interface with your React code. So it makes it so that um, you can interact with your Re- React code a lot easier. For example, Enzyme, it gives you a jQuery-like API for interacting with React elements, which is pretty sick. jQuery made things so nice back in the day, yeah. and Enzyme makes testing pretty nice as well. I love Justin Enzyme. I find them super intuitive. I think my only... Hard, the only difficult thing that I found was, first of all, Redux was hard for me to learn. Now that I know it, I love it. But at the time, it was really difficult. And then understanding how stores worked, like mocks, how do you mock your Redux store? That was pretty confusing. But in general, Justin and Enzyme together are really uh, quite intuitive. Yeah. And then React Testing Library is now the one that the React team endorses, I believe. It's built into Create React App now instead of Enzyme. And I've heard just amazing things about it. Again, Kent C. Dodds is involved with it. And so I'm really interested in trying that one. But I think when I was starting to do testing, Enzyme was a lot bigger. So I started with Enzyme, but I'm really interested in looking into React Testing Library. Yeah, definitely. I think also one other tool, I don't know if you've mentioned this, but Cypress. I think um, we, I, I had a Carl's Rojas talk on them 
a few months back, someone gave a talk about Cypress and how you can essentially play back errors that your customers are having and walk through it. And it was super, super cool. I haven't used it because I think it's a paid service. But in all honesty, if you're building a production app, it's I highly recommend checking it out. It's one of those things that's worth paying for. Yeah, we've really enjoyed using Cypress yeah, so far definitely. for writing our tests for the Shopify themes. Cool. Let's wrap up this episode by talking about new developers. And so I personally think that testing is something that you're almost guaranteed to see at work. And so if you're self-teaching or if you're a bootcamp grad and you didn't learn about testing at bootcamp, it would be something that I would personally recommend learning. And as somebody who has done hiring in the past, having testing on your portfolio projects really shows your attention to detail and your willingness to go above and beyond on them. So it's something that I think really, really shines if you have that on your portfolio somewhere. It's not mandatory. Nothing in this um, show that we talk about is by any means, but I think it is a great thing to learn and it's a great thing to have on your projects. Definitely. And I think if you're doing a take-home project for a technical interview, testing is a really great thing to add um, if you have the time, right? A lot of us don't have time to spend absorbent amount. I can't say that word. Lots of, many of us don't have a lot of time to spend on coding projects because we have families or other commitments or a nine-to-five job. But if you can add in testing to your project, even just a couple of unit tests, definitely shows, like Ali said, your attention to detail. Yes, that's a huge one. That's such a good, such a good um, observation. You can also, um, I'm not sure if there are any testing courses on like Coursera or LinkedIn, but both of those platforms offer certificates you can put on your LinkedIn profile to show that you've completed them. And so if there are, I would recommend taking one and having that badge on your profile. Awesome. And we'll link some awesome courses on testing as well. Um, Let's do our shout outs. Emma, you want to go first? No, because I don't know mine yet. I got to think about it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Kelly, do you have one? Oh, I do have one. So we bought this vinyl art, like this vinyl mural that is basically like wallpaper, but it's super cute. It's from Society6. We have a large wall downstairs. We're like, what should we do with this? And instead of paying thousands of dollars for a massive painting, we decided to spend $200 on a wall mural. And putting up wallpaper was really challenging. I now know this, especially when you have to follow like specific lines for making everything line up, but it looks super cute. And I can't wait to show a picture of it once it's done. That's awesome. Society6 is my favorite. They've got such amazing things. For real. There's such good art on there. Allie, what's yours? Yeah. I also got sticky wallpaper from Target, and I love that, Ooh. too. So if you're looking for a super budget option, Target has I sticky I think wallpaper. I've seen people use that sticky wallpaper for decorating, like, shelves and stuff, too. Yeah. So I have it on my wall in my bedroom, and it is so cute. Okay. I can do mine if, Emma, you're still thinking about yours. Well, okay. Yeah. I'm- well, no, I have mine. <laughs> my brain, my okay, brain is turning cool. Um, My shout out is going to be to Microsoft Diversity Day in Germany. I'm speaking at it tomorrow morning about how to build high performing teams across cultures, which again, a lot of the sen- sentiments are coming uh, kind of from or inspired from the culture map by Aaron Meyer, which is a great book. Um, but yeah, I'm speaking at Microsoft Germany's Diversity Day tomorrow morning. I'm very excited. That's super fun. Yeah. That's awesome. 
That's fine. How about you, Allie? <laughs> Mine is so random. So freaking random. Um, at the time of recording, I am still living in Manhattan, still quarantined, probably will be for a while. There are rumors that work is not going to be until the fall. Like, it's like a little bit wild here still. So, my shout out is to Stardew Valley, which is this game that I just started playing. I'm way behind on the bandwagon and never actually play games at all, but it is so much fun. You have this little village and you get to go fishing and farming and mining and it's incredible and so low pressure. It's not like you win or anything like that. You just get achievements. So really big fan. I downloaded it like a month or so ago when I got my iPhone. I'm like, what game should I download? And somebody suggested Stardew Valley. I just realized I never actually opened it up. So, okay. If you can get the Steam version of it for your computer, I feel like that's going to be a lot better than the mobile one. Okay, cool. That's my two cents. Okay. Or if you have some sort of gaming system, I don't. I'm not on the Animal Crossing bandwagon because I don't want to buy a Switch because I know that I like will not use it once quarantine is over. I'm exactly (laughs) in the same boat. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But it's a really great alternative to that. And it's really well thought out. It's also built by one developer, which is mind-blowing to me. So it's one guy that built this whole entire thing. He did all the art himself. It took him four years, and he, like, taught himself how to do everything for it. It's, like, the coolest thing ever. Anyway, I wonder if he (laughs) wrote tests for it. (laughs) I wonder. I bet. It's in C-sharp, though. So different world. Okay. If you like this episode, tweet about it. We'll pick one tweeter to win a subscription to Egghead.io. We've also started a book club. This month's book is Make It Stick, which is one of my favorites all about how people learn. If you're interested in learning more, head over to ladybug.dev books. We post new episodes every single Monday, so make sure to be subscribed to be notified and leave us a review. Bye!